and welcome to Turn Up the Volumes, Episode 3, The Great Gatsby, Part 2. We are so excited to share this episode with you and finish up this book. I am Tori. And I'm Evelyn. And we are going through chapters 5 through 9 today. And I just want to recap a little bit before we move on about what happened in the last episode in case you haven't listened to it in a little bit or you haven't read the book in a little while. So last episode we went through the first four chapters and we were introduced to Daisy, Nick, who is our narrator. We were introduced to Tom, Daisy's husband. We were introduced to Gatsby himself and a whole bunch of other characters, George and Myrtle Wilson and their friends. So just and Jordan Baker. I almost forgot. One of my favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> so we were introduced to a bunch of different characters uh, and just kind of all the different things that went with that. Um, we learned about all of their different relationships and where we left off is Gatsby has asked Nick for a favor. He's asked that he invite Daisy over to tea some afternoon this week because Gatsby wants to show up to this tea and present himself to Daisy after many years of them not seeing each other. So that's where we leave off and we have just these last couple chapters to get through guys and they are very exciting. So I'm going to let Evelyn take the lead on our first chapter. (laughs) So guys, chapter five is pretty eventful Um, and these next handful of chapters as we finish the book um, are going to be chock full of golden tidbits and all kinds of um, symbolism. So I hope that you have your copies with you. You can kind of look through. I hope you've been reading along. Um, This has been so fun. But yeah, let's dive into chapter five. So we have um, Nick coming home to West Egg. And first of all, he sees Gatsby's house just like lit up, just lit up. And you know, he's like, is there like a party going on that I don't know about, whatever. But he ends up seeing Gatsby in the lawn, and um, they start talking, and it's not a party or whatever. So they just start talking, and Nick decides to let him know that he spoke to Jordan. So Jordan basically asked Nick indirectly for Gatsby. It was just this long chain, long mm-hmm. chain of like asking him for this big favor. Um, so Gatsby asked Jordan to ask Nick to ask Daisy <laughs> to come to Nick's house where Gatsby can just happen to be there and they can just happen to meet just, you know, because fate and apparently Gatsby is the king of fate. So Nick decides to tell him that he is going to follow through, that he talked to Jordan and that he's going to invite Daisy. And Gatsby, I just love how like, did you notice how coy he played? He's like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, you don't have to. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was great. I absolutely love this whole interaction. Um, like, first of all, one of my favorite things about this is just, like, the full-on, like, money shaming that goes on. Yes. <laughs> like... Yep. I was literally dying. I literally wrote down Gatsby is trying really hard not to money shame Nick. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I should at least get the grass cut. And Nick's like, hmm, he means my grass. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this very like 
coy interaction that Nick and Gatsby have that Gatsby has to kind of like keep himself together for how incredibly nervous and excited he is that Nick is seriously going to invite Daisy over. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think it kind of segues into Gatsby asking Nick if Nick is poor. I know. <laughs> He's like, do you make money? And we're like, like does mm. Nick even work? We've never seen Nick work a single Ex- page in this book. Except for on this, on page 85. I oh. literally wrote it in my work, Nick finally works for once this summer. <laughs> and he, like, talks about, like, taking the train into work. And I'm like, wow, Nick, you really went and did that. Right? <laughs> At least he's being honest. Yeah. Um. So Nick immediately assumes probably the worst that Gatsby's, like, suggesting that he gets involved in whatever shady... Mm. business that Gatsby's been involved in mm-hmm. um and how do we segue out of here hold on um we go into Nick getting a hold of Daisy right and mm-hmm. so Nick prefaces it with saying don't bring Tom mm-hmm. to my house for tea and it's kind of like okay okay and I love what she says too the next day when she actually shows up, she's like, what are you, like, in love with me or something? Why right. do I, why do I have to come here without my husband? Yes. Very flighty, very charismatic of yes. her to say yes. Yes. And I love, so we see the next day, we see that Gatsby is at Nick's house. He's a nervous wreck. Mm. Like, you know, we don't really see Gatsby so nervous before. He's just kind of seems like this elusive, put-together dude. But he's, you know, physically shaken and, you know... This is a big deal to him. Yes. The fact that, that Daisy is coming over, okay? And, um... So, <laughs> even to the point where he's, like, he can't take it anymore. He's like, alright, she's not coming, I'm leaving. Yes, yeah, she's, and- like, five minutes late, and he's like, alright, I'm out. Like, this is too much work. <laughs> this is too much. Way too much. But, of course, she does show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when she's kind of like, what the heck, so why did I have to come here alone? And I just wanted to, I made a little note here, and I just wanted to point out the way that Nick describes Daisy's voice. We're like, are we sure Nick's not in love with her? He's I like, know. With her wild taunt, her voice was like a wild tonic in the rain. <laughs> okay, yeah. Nick. He's okay. honest. Yes. So, they have their really, really uncomfortable meeting. I mean, like, yes. oh. Gatsby's in there, Daisy's in there, it's clear that everybody in the room is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you have any like anything you wanted to add about this just their like initial meeting there yeah so um, I had done a little bit of research on this scene because I needed something to kind of comfort me in the awkwardness of it all yeah. and <laughs> um, so w- first of all um, Gatsby had, had was in Nick's house previously and then as Daisy came in he left out the back door <laughs> and like shows up at the door sopping wet from the rain outside like I just picture like water running down his brow like just such like a sorrowful look on his face you know like very like just so manipulative (laughs) right right like this is a set (laughs) yes and um this whole dramatic moment which you know it's Gatsby would we expect any less um but uh I found this quote from Sparks Notes that said that um, 
Gatsby worries that even if Daisy accepts his advances after this meeting, things between them will not be the same in Louisville. And that's why he's like so precise about everything and bringing all the flowers in and having the grass cut just so and wearing the specific suit and everything. Um, right. So it's all this very specific show to kind of guide Daisy back to that feeling of when they were right. young. Right. He's trying to get, he's trying to capture that the past you know what i mean he's trying to relive the past and, mm-hmm. I, and i definitely get that vibe that he's trying so hard he'll drive himself mad you know what i mean before um he lets the past slip through his fingers like he wants it to come to fruition he wants it so bad that he'll go to any length to get it yeah exactly and from this point on like this is a very pivotal moment in the book until now like this idea of gatsby and daisy even meeting or getting together or her coming to a party has just been an idea and now it's finally come to fruition in this scene and it's a very awkward (laughs) introduction to that but honestly I couldn't see it going any other way like if they were really had a relationship and they hadn't seen each other in many years like it, it, it wouldn't have been any other any other possibility of that going that way so right it had to happen um, I will say there is one thing that I didn't pick up when reading, but when I was researching, I was like, oh my gosh, it's such a cool little thing. I have to bring it up. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you remember when you were reading this chapter, but, um, when Gatsby has his reunion with Daisy, he awkwardly knocks the clock off the <laughs> mantle. I love it. And, um, he tells, like, Nick it was a mistake and everything, and... What my research said was, um, as again from Sparks Notes because they're amazing and I love them. Not sponsored by Sparks Notes, I just uh, <laughs> I adore them. Um, said as the novel explores the ideas of love, excess, and the American dream, it becomes clear and clear to the reader that Gatsby's emotional frame is out of sync with the passage of time. He gets upset that Daisy knows other men and right. <laughs> basically <laughs> upset that she's running around alone. Um, even though he hasn't even figured out the whole story yet, but he's just upset by the fact that she's got other things in her life besides him, you know? So right. he's like, how the, he's like, how the devil does Gatsby know my wife? Like, what? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> how? And I'm like, I'm, part of me is like, is it because he's from West Egg and he's a man? Or, you know, like, is it the combination of the two things in his mind at that point? Or... Right. Also, he does... the fact that... No, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I was just saying, also the fact that he's definitely, like, weird. We openly know that he is unfaithful to his wife. And mm-hmm. so the idea probably crosses his mind, like, she's out mm-hmm. visiting with other men. Like, who else is she knowing? Like, how the heck would she even know this guy? You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So then, um, moving forward a little bit. Tom and Daisy end up going to one of Gatsby's parties, and I, I'm honestly, I don't know if I liked any part of this chapter, like, as a person. Like, reading it was great, but, like, if I was a person, like, a fly on the wall, I'd be so uncomfy through this whole chapter. Yeah, it was very uncomfy. (laughs) Yes. Um, but, so Nick comes to the party, and he has a very different opinion this time of Gatsby's party. He finds it very garish and overwhelming uh and just it just finds it unfavorable and Mm. you start to notice that 
Daisy, even though she defends Gatsby from Tom, she also seems uncomfortable. She pretends to be having a good time, but she's very overwhelmed by the garishness of the party. Yeah, Yeah, and that might also stem from just Daisy and Tom being from East Egg, where a party that Mm -hmm. they might go to would be, like, probably these old wealthy aristocrats and now at this party it's all these like celebrities and new money and mm-hmm. you know very different audience yes definitely and and tom just keeps just ragging into gatsby <laughs> saying that his money comes from bootlegging and all these different things and he couldn't have possibly afford this house he must be have some ties to something illegal and daisy's defends him saying he owns a chain of drugstores and all these different right. things so yeah i just thought i just thought it was very interesting yeah um, no that whole this whole chapter is very interesting a lot to think yes. about yes um and then uh a quote i had that i thoroughly liked um was on on my book my book it was on page uh, 112 is He wanted nothing less of Daisy than that she should go to Tom and say, I never loved you. Mm. And that just, whew. And that is a recurring, a recurring phrase throughout this book. Yeah. Um, So, like I said before, Gatsby wants things to be exactly the same as they were before they left Louisville. And um, Nick brings up that Gatsby can't change the past, and I believe the 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 quote in our bio is is the oh change the past? Why, well, of course you can, old sport. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he's just so committed to the idea that he's like, yes, this is like what I want. Like we can repeat the past, we can make it our own. Like he just mm-hmm. keeps living that very um, lofty dream that he has, even while his yeah his uh dream is standing in front of him with her husband you know yeah that's like red flag number one yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so uh something that they the that sparks notes had pointed out was it's worth noting that fitzgerald the author of the book never shows the reader a single scene from gatsby's affair with daisy just socially like we never see them really like they they talk about things like they talk about they kissed in the past um but they never ever write about anything uh, explicit between the two and it's very it's all very um either from what nick has seen or tom uh thinks has happened it's never from gatsby or daisy's perspective right like we definitely get firsthand we see tom and his mistress but we don't really we don't really get that full-on scene of, you know, knowing exactly what is going on between Daisy and Gatsby. Is there really anything, mm. like, dramatic going on between them? Other than, clearly, infatuation and whatever, but... Right. Yeah. And we don't even know if they are doing anything, you know? Like, that's kind of the, the mystery of it all, is we assume they're having an affair, but we don't know. Right. They're yes, at least he definitely an, believes it. <laughs> yes. They're at least having an emotional affair. For, for it sure. It might not be physical, but it might be an emotional affair. Right. So, um, anything else on chapter six before we get into the, one of the big chapters? 
Um, no, just the fact that, you know, with Daisy not enjoying her time at the party and the fact that she's not denouncing or renouncing her um, mm-hmm. her husband is kind of definitely little things probably nagging at Gatsby that things are not the same. Things cannot be the same. And then Nick comes out and says it. And then Gatsby's like, no, 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 it can. Of course you can. We're going to mm-hmm. make the past happen. So he's going to make sure this happens. He's ending this chapter with like, yes, the past can be relived and I'm making it happen. Yes, definitely. So chapter seven. Yes, chapter seven. Do you want to take this one? Sure. All right, <laughs> Gatsby. All right, let's see. So so we notice some odd behavior in the beginning of this chapter. And so first we notice that there are no lights on at Gatsby's house. Normally it's lit up from bottom to top and it is just, it looks dead. He's like, what is Mr. Gat? Like, is he sick? Like, what mm. other, what other um, explanation is there? And so he also sees that that Gatsby's staff has been dismissed. Like, all the original staff that he's had there, they're just straight up gone. They were let go, and they were replaced with all new staff. And so finally he's able to talk to Gatsby, and he's like, what is going on here? Like, I heard that you fired all of your staff. And he's like, yeah, 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 because for Daisy. I did that for Daisy. For Daisy. (laughs) Everything's for Daisy. And he's like, because she comes over in the afternoons. Like, this is strongly hinting that there's something going on, at Mm -hmm. least in Gatsby's mind, or at least he's implying that there's something going on because he doesn't want, he doesn't want the servants whispering and talking and gossiping, probably about her reputation, at least that's what it's implying here, Mm -hmm. um, so that she can come over whenever she wants and that they can be comfortable knowing that nobody's gonna spill the tea. Right, and I believe that Nick had heard from some other, like, local West Eggers that um, that none of them are servants. Like, they don't have any training, they haven't mm-hmm. been employed as servants before, and uh, I think Gatsby confirms this and says that they are some of Wolfsheim's, like, associates. Which just mm. adds to the of it all. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um... So we have them segueing from this odd behavior to um, a lunch at at the uh, Buchanan's house. So Mm -hmm. Gatsby, for whatever reason, I I have no idea why this was thought to be acceptable or anything, but he is being invited over to Daisy's house, which is pretty pretty bold. It's Mm -hmm. it'd be like if Tom was inviting Myrtle over for a a lunch, right? Well, remember. Remember last last episode, we were like, how bold of Myrtle to call it dinner, you know? And, right. And, and Daisy has brought Gatsby to lunch with her husband. Right. And I mean, this might be Daisy just kind of like trying to slap Tom in the face mm-hmm. by like, I know you're having an affair on me and I'm going to flaunt my whatever. Who knows what's going on? I'm going to flaunt Gatsby because I know it, you know, bothers you. Or is it because she's just so infatuated with Gatsby that she wants to be with him? We won't know, really, for a little while. Mm. Um, but just that we have, um, we now have this really awkward group for a lunch, all together under the same roof. And <laughs> when they're there, um, Nick and Gatsby are told that Tom is on the phone with his lover, possibly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And so it's already a very, um, very awkward feeling in the room, I would say. I mean, when has there been a moment where we all feel comfortable? I don't feel like there's ever been a moment that I've read this and been like, this is a comfortable situation. Right. I feel like once Gatsby and Daisy are like, have met, I don't think we ever have a comfortable social situation ever again. No, no, no. And we see here, so when Tom comes back in, um, you know, it's so hot that the girls are like, oh, go make us drinks. Daisy's like, go fetch us some drinks. He's like, fine. So he leaves the room and then we see really for the first time that Mm -hmm. Daisy blatantly and boldly kisses um, Gatsby on the mouth under Mm. her husband's roof. Yes. And it just, that happens. And then proceeds to tell him that I'm in love with you. Mm -hmm. I love you. And um, I just think that 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 whole situation is just, why? Just why? Yes. Like, why so public a situation? And then even Jordan's like, ooh, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. and then Daisy has the the nurse bring her kid, who they call Pammy. Interesting name. I don't know if that's her, her name. I, it might be a nickname. <laughs> right. Um, but she's this little three year old child that uh, Nick has never met ever until this point at the end of the summer, and. Of the whole time he's been there. He's never met Daisy and Tom's child, his, you know, niece right. of sorts, <laughs> uh, who's a, a little a little child, not a baby anymore. And Gatsby doesn't even really, it's like he almost didn't believe that there actually was a child, you know? Like, he had, right. that wasn't part of his fantasy. He had kind of blocked it out of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's unable to deny it. I mean, like, it's just another reminder that this is not the past. And things are much more complicated than yes. he'd like to imagine or fantasize. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's this this uh, there's a couple of lines here that I thought were very interesting um, between uh, an interaction between Daisy and Jordan, and it, it's one of my favorite lines of of the book, and I've definitely used it in Instagram captions before. Um, <laughs> so it says. What do we do with ourselves this afternoon, cried Daisy, and the day after that, and the next 30 years? Don't be morbid, Jordan said. Life starts over again when it gets crisp in the fall. Which, mm. uh, if there was ever a quote for New England, if there was ever a quote for New England, yeah. I would pick that one. Now, I was going to say, I don't know exactly where everybody's listening to this podcast from, but that definitely rings true, uh, especially if you're from like the Northeast and mm-hmm. New England. And yeah, I that feels... That feels very true. <laughs> it's it's very reviving, especially in New England, I feel. The fall is peak peak time. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. So, now we have a situation where Tom is having a little chat with Gatsby, and they're all just kind of chatting, and it's still kind of weird. And Tom mm-hmm. always just, I feel like he just definitely does not like Gatsby at all. Right. And he has overheard um, them speaking all romantic to each other that Mm. that you know they love each other or whatever and um and so basically what does tom he just he interrupts the whole thing he just Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to deal with it and he's like fine we're going into town and he's like daisy's riding with me (laughs) um well i will i will make a correction not to not to correct no go ahead 
Um, so I believe that he has kind of overheard some things, but then he also, when they're sitting down to lunch, Gatsby and Daisy keep like exchanging these glances mm. and words, and he starts to sort of realize what's going on, even if he hasn't physically heard them say like her, I love you or whatever. Um, and Daisy has was claims that she's bored. She starts to feel the tension, so she. Daisy asks Gatsby if he wants to go into the city, and Gatsby stares at her passionately, and then Tom (laughs) becomes certain of their feelings for each other. Um, And then to kind of plan his confrontation, he gets really excited about this idea. He's like, yeah, let's go into the city. Why not go? Let's go go to town. And uh, very symbolic of New York City, of the just, he's like, let's take the depravity to the city. You know, like, let's have this there because no one's gonna bother us whatever so anyway right and then we also have our uh, famous little line about daisy's voice being full of money yes classic and i don't know if you have anything that you wanted to add on that um i mean i i get a, a very specific feeling about that line um i don't have any uh, notes on it but when i read that i i definitely could just picture just how she says her words and how she talks with no abandon because mm. of her money. Because she knows no matter what she really says, it doesn't matter, you know? And, and she just, you know, doesn't speak her mind necessarily, but she can be flighty and she doesn't have to say anything of importance because mm. she doesn't need to because she's set for life. Right. So and that's kind of how I, I think, that's the vibe I got from that. No, for sure. For sure. And I feel like also two people are more willing to listen to her because she does have money and she's mm. like this young, very enchanting thing. Um, but yeah, I know that that's an interesting little line there. I'd be interesting to see what you guys have to say about that line. Mm. Um, so yeah, like let us know in one of our comment sections on one of our websites. Um, and any other thing, just not to like interrupt the podcast, but definitely like interact with us we want to hear from you guys we want to hear your mm. comments on all this uh, because this is fun this is interactive and we'd love to hear from you yes definitely so tom doesn't even ask well, who daisy wants to ride with whatever tom's like mm, we're taking this car together and don't they take gatsby's car yeah so gatsby was kind of throwing a little bit of a fit about <laughs> his car like he's like well the seats are warm there's no gas whatever and he and Tom is like, well, what kind of car do you drive? And is it a stick shift? You know, whatever. And Gatsby's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Tom's like, well, you could drive my car because it's in the garage and it's cool. And if you're going to be so fussy, basically just drive my car, you know? Right. And Tom's like, I'll take this ostentatious little dump of a, tr- a car, you know, um, <laughs> and, and take uh, Jordan and Nick in the car. So, Yeah. <laughs> And I just love the little conversations that are happening now about Gatsby. He's like, what kind of guy's wearing a pink suit? Like, I know. Who the heck is he? Like, who does he think he is? Like, what kind of Oxford man? Blah, 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 blah. It is just so funny. I love the pink suit comment. <laughs> yes. It's, like, so aggressive and so toxic. I'm just like, oh, my word. Let the man wear what he wants. <laughs> so they stop at the gas station, um, and Tom is talking with Wilson, Mm. And now they're just kind of having a very nonchalant conversation 
Um, I think about selling a car, or what was that? Yeah, so George wants to buy Tom's coupe that, that Gatsby's now driving right now. Right, right, right. And he's questioning about, like, why is Tom driving this yellow car, and Tom claims it's his. Um, and George just says he needs the money, He's wants to move out west... Right. Uh, with Myrtle, and he wants to get the money as soon as possible, and he can make a lot of money off of Tom's car that they had already talked about buying, so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Myrtle's and nowhere to be seen. Right, Myrtle, we can't see Myrtle, but Tom is physically shaken by this, mm-hmm. because Myrtle is his lover. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, so he's finally hearing the fact that, you know, his, his lover now is literally leaving, and... You know, I'm sure he does care for her emotionally, too, whatever. Mm-hmm. But this husband is finally taking the reins and be like, no, I'm getting, I'm taking my wife and we're getting out of here, basically. Whether she yes. likes it or not, mm-hmm. this whole, you know, without saying you're, I'm done, like, sharing my wife. That's basically what's happening. They're leaving. Yes. Yeah, because um, he knows, he knows that his wife is, is sleeping with somebody, but he doesn't know who. And he just wants to get out of there as, as quickly as possible. Um... And Nick also kind of, I think, makes a, a statement about that Tom and, and Wilson are kind of in the same position, almost parallel to each other. Of, But Tom is the, like, is in both relationships. But <laughs> yes. it's like, Tom is, like, going to confront Gatsby, and Wilson, like, wants to confront someone, doesn't know how who, and is mm-hmm. basically, like, taking charge of his relationship, and Tom is trying to take charge of his relationship as well. So. Mm. Well, either way, this whole thing has made Tom, like, feeling physically sick. Like, he definitely, mm-hmm. he definitely cared for Myrtle. Yes. Um, and then we, and we, we, we briefly see Myrtle. We briefly see Myrtle because she is staring out the window or mm-hmm. staring out and seeing Jordan Baker and assuming that it's Daisy and she is staring at her with very, very jealous eyes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so there's that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so they get to the city and they don't really know what to do. It's really hot outside. Um, I think Daisy or it was either Daisy or Jordan suggested that they get a suite at like a, a hotel uh, where they can take cold baths and all be together and no one will bother them and um, they can just cool down and. Uh, uh, a building they don't have to be outside in the heat because it's the hottest day of the year um and yeah just everything that goes down yeah i mean it's kind of like there's so many factors number one it's extremely hot out mm-hmm. and everybody's already irritable tom has already you know made the connection that there's definitely something going on between his wife and gatsby he's just learned that his lover is leaving town forever um, he is very irrit- irritated because of the heat. Um, mm. Everybody else is as well. And so when they're finally, um, you know, alone together and all together, I mean, it's still not a comfy situation. Right. And Tom is definitely very, like, confrontational. And mm-hmm. he is basically calling Gatsby out for... You know, I want to say actually what the first, what was the first thing that Tom said that was like. Oh, uh, he calls him. Kind of, 
he calls him out all he says you say old sport too much like why do you say it where'd you pick that up was that from oxford how long were you at oxford you know like (laughs) just really starting to like pick apart his story right right and so it gets to the point where gatsby has had enough and gatsby (laughs) gatsby's holding all this information inside him Mm. that is just ready to bubble over because he's so psycho in love with Daisy that he's tired of pretending that this is how life is just going to go on. Daisy living with Tom, Tom living with Daisy, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So Gatsby's like, oh yeah, well, I've got something to tell you, old Mm -hmm. sport. And then he's like, Daisy's never loved you. Never. She doesn't love... Like, Daisy's not saying any of this. And, like, everybody in the room's like, "Mm, this is whoa daisy's like let's just leave like come on guys let's not do this let's leave which is such a cop-out because i know daisy's definitely stringing them along yes and she's like does anybody want to mint julep like she's like just like trying to make things pleasant and normal and we're like your two men are fighting daisy like it's not gonna be normal (laughs) and i just it actually just kind of broke my heart a little bit too because Mm. tom clearly does love daisy even though he's not always the best man or whatever but he's like you didn't you never even love me not even that time that you know Mm -hmm. i carried you so your shoes wouldn't get wet like he's just like bring up these very like intimate um moments and to the point where daisy cannot deny that she loved him at some point which i'd argue that she obviously still does yes um and you know she's explaining that she cannot just say that she's never loved him because that would be a lie Mm. and you know, Gatsby's like, well, she's planning on leaving you, she's gonna leave you for me, and, you know, this is how it's gonna be, and now you know. Just drop that bomb. Just dropped it on the whole room. Everybody yes. knows them. Yes. Um, do you and, have anything to add about that? I do a little bit. So, Tom really does fight for himself, and he acknowledges that he's had issues in their marriage, yeah. and, um, which I was like, yeah, I'm glad you're acknowledging it. Um, that's the first step. Um, and talking about how Gatsby's, all his money has been made illegally and his friend worked with Gatsby and went to jail because of it and all these things. And, um, Daisy's, who has, was in love with Gatsby in the afternoon is kind of starting to like sway back and forth where she loves them both. But does she love Tom more? Does she love Gatsby more? Does she love the idea of Gatsby? Does she love the security of being with Tom? Um all these things and she just like starts kind of moving closer to Tom throughout the whole exchange of like this is my security we have years we have a child like Mm. all these sort of things start kind of piling up and uh Tom (laughs) realizes that he's kind of one yeah no for sure that's why he lets Gatsby and Daisy leave together as kind of a, uh... <laughs> Swan song? Yeah. He's bested Gatsby. Uh, and it feels no worry about Daisy going off with Gatsby on the ride home because he knows that Daisy will be back at the house. And right. won't leave, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we have, after they've after the two of them have left, we have this fun little realization from Nick that, oh yeah, it's my birthday. Oh my gosh, okay. This is one of my favorite foreshadowing moments. One of my favorite is Nick's quote where he says, so we drove on towards death through the cooling twilight. 
I absolutely love that quote. I wish I had used it as my senior quote. <laughs> it is a pretty good quote. Like, the most foreshadowing, and, like, in the moment, they're talking about, like, oh, we're getting older, like, no one can escape death, you know? Uh, so we're, like, just driving towards our death because minutes are passing, and we're just getting older, and we're getting closer to death as we drive. Literally, like, bam. Like, bam. <laughs> well, so Gatsby, Gatsby and uh, Daisy are responsible for the car that hits Myrtle, okay? Mm. But, um... But we see that Tom and Nick and Jordan come up on this scene. And I think at first we see Tom's little remark like, oh, good, finally, uh, Wilson will have some business. Right. And then he finally realizes that, wait a second, he jumps out, he's distraught, he knows, he reckon, like, knows this is Myrtle, dead. Like, so she's not even just leaving anymore, she's literally dead. She's gone. Yes. Yeah, and um, I was a little taken aback rereading this of how violently her death was described yeah i mean we don't even get a full description of some of these characters but we got a good view of her dead corpse yes it was it was it was quite (laughs) horrific the things that were written about her dead body of like like this different things detached from her body that shouldn't be detached and like I was like I read it and I was like oh my gosh I was like high schoolers read this (laughs) like I read it in high school but I was like this is pretty graphic like yeah it is for sure I was like wow this was obviously a like very fast car hitting Myrtle and like obviously did a lot of damage and it really made me just step back and be like wow (laughs) yeah no. And, of course, on the scene, they saw the kind of car. They described Gatsby's car. Everybody mm-hmm. in the car now knows, okay, Gatsby literally just hit this woman mm-hmm. and kept driving. Um, and they're all assuming it was Gatsby driving. Yes. Um, but when they all finally reach the house, we have this little moment between Jordan and Nick. I mean, we're inching towards the end of them. I think even in this moment, it's kind of... Right. It's strained. And yes. you feel it. Um, yeah, they start to kind of realize they're they're pretty different, and yeah, um, they're starting to realize it, but neither of them want to end it yet, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting little yeah. moment. But and then yes. there's Gatsby in the shrubs. Yes, being the stalker <laughs> that he is. Yeah, he and like Nick's like, what happened? Like what happened? And so uh, finally, Nick realizes that. Gatsby is going to cover for Daisy that it was actually Daisy behind the wheel that had mm-hmm. accidentally hit Myrtle. And I just think that it's just so sad the way that Gatsby's like, because Nick's like, how long are you going to stay out here? Well, mm-hmm. all night if I need to. Like, if Daisy needs me, it's fine. Um, but what Nick realizes is that Daisy and Tom have only grown closer mm-hmm. through this experience together. Yes. And kind of going off of um, Gatsby sort of just, like, waiting, watching, and for Daisy, it really parallels chapter one, mm-hmm. where he's in the darkness and the moonlight, watching for Daisy, um, just pining for her, and in chapter one, he has his, like, arms outstretched towards her, and um, now he's 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 mm-hmm. where the green light is, and he's he's still not with Daisy, and Mm -hmm. his dream is dying. Mm. (laughs) 
So, so would, sad. <laughs> it is. It's very sad. And I would even say this particular moment even parallels early on mm. when he was still out of reach of Daisy, even when they were together by class systems or just him being yes. poor and her being so wealthy and out of reach. And like, Daisy, has Daisy ever been in reach of him? Mm. I don't think so. I don't yeah. think that they've ever been destined to be with each other. My heart's breaking. It's <laughs> uh, so sad. It is very sad. Uh, I think it's clearly set up that Daisy and him were never... And I don't even think the level of feelings that um, Gatsby has for Daisy and that he likes people to believe is between them is actually there. I think most of it is in his head. I think that you know, it's been, their relationship was described as, she was young. She was mm-hmm. very young. They were probably some kind of first love. She was just getting all this attention from all these men. And, you know, Gatsby was just one of them. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So that's my two cents on that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Two more chapters left. We get we got to pick we up pace. This. All right, we let's do this. this. Let's okay. it. Chapter 8, guys. Wow, sorry. Chapter 7 was really long, so... Yeah. Um, so, chapter 8 is the very last time Nick interacts with Gatsby. Mm. Um, and over this period of time where Nick is kind of avoiding his job, per usual, and uh, <laughs> Nick goes over and he's like, maybe you should leave and go to, you know upstate for a while, just kind of get out of town until this kind of thing blows over. Um, Everybody thinks it's an accident, but it might be good to just, you know, just leave town for a while, Mm -hmm. just in case. Um, And Gatsby could never leave Daisy. He's just too concerned for it all. Mm -hmm. And Imagine if he had, though. I know. Imagine the outcome. I know. (laughs) We'd get another book. Um, (laughs) Or this book would be twice as long. Um, (laughs) But... um, Gatsby starts telling Nick about um, how he was courting Daisy when they were in Louisville in, I think, 1917, Um, and just talking about how he loved that she was just so popular and had lots of gentleman callers and just was so desirable because he was picked among the many to kind of be with her and um, how he felt very close to her and Mm -hmm. felt married to her. which Yikes. I thought was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she promised she'd wait for him until after the war, but she couldn't with... She needed the security and the approval of her parents, and um, she didn't want to wait, so she ended up marrying Tom, as we know. Um, but he was just had a solid social position, and her parents approved of him, so she's like, well, he's probably <laughs> dead in the war anyway, so... <laughs> right. Right. Might as well take this chance while I have it. Yeah. Um, but uh, something that Sparksnets had said is the the reader has already seen that Gatsby idolizes both wealth, wealth and Daisy. Now it becomes clear that the two are intertwined in Gatsby's mind. Which I mm. thought was an interesting That's thing. Is he's, he's been seeking wealth and then inadvertently the wealth of Daisy and also Daisy herself kind of all intermingled together mm-hmm. uh, as his one big dream. He's not like separately seeking wealth and separately seeking Daisy. It's all one big goal in the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Daisy is the package deal. She kind of represents mm-hmm. everything that he's wanted in life. Yes, exactly. And um, yeah, it's also just 
bringing back that American dream that we see kind of woven throughout the whole story. This symbol yeah. of, of everybody searching for the American dream on the East Coast, um, which is interesting to me. Oh, um, but yeah, it's that whole just whole couple pages there on, on their backstory was interesting. Kind of the, the difference uh, of that between that and Jordan's uh, recounting of seeing Gatsby in the car and everything. Mm-hmm. So we got a little bit more detail there. So next, uh, Gatsby's gardener interrupts and asks uh, Gatsby, well, he tells Gatsby he plans to drain the, the pool because summer's over, it's starting to get cold out, he doesn't want the mm-hmm. leaves to clog up the drain and everything, and Gatsby's like, well, just wait, you know, I haven't swam in the pool all summer, I should mm-hmm. swim today, you know, <laughs> kind of holding on to that last little bit, and, um, I had a, a, a point about that of kind of how the weather has really shown a lot of different symbolism uh, throughout the story and how yesterday when everything was super passionate and fired up, it was the hottest day of the year, right? Oh, yeah. And then as Gatsby's dream is dying, it's cooling down and uh, he's trying to hold on to that last little bit of that passion, that fire, by holding on to summer. Yeah, no, that is true. Everything, the, they're just like, please don't let the pool get clogged and ruined. Like, summer can come again. It's going to be okay, you know? Like, right. <laughs> well, it won't be the leaves to clog the pool. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. So Nick Nick goes to leave. And um, he, he compliments uh, Gatsby for the first time ever and the last time ever. Uh, saying that he's worth more than the Buchanans and all of their friends. Because um, I think Nick had said in the book that he really just disapproved of everything about Gatsby. <laughs> and yeah. that's why he had never complimented him before. So I thought that was interesting. So that was big. Yes. And then he leaves. And he goes to work. Finally. <sighs> I know. Good job. So this we hear George's side of things of... Uh, what happened, he's explaining it to his neighbor about how he found out that his wife was cheating and he'd locked her up upstairs and told her they were moving and he was getting money and they got into this big fight and um, he had um, like showed her the, the sign of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg and he's like, look at the eyes of God and look at your sin <laughs> yeah. and uh, all this stuff and he's, uh, you can't hide your sin from the eyes of God and like really pointing out the sign of like, you're always being watched here and all this stuff. And she ends up running out into the street, one, to get away from Wilson, but two, because she sees the car from earlier that Tom was riding in, hoping to flag him down and have him take her away before George can leave. And uh, She was taken away. She was all taken right. away to another life. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. real A real explosive life. Oh, wow. Sorry. (laughs) That was morbid. That was a little morbid. I can hear Jordan telling me now, don't be so morbid. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So, that's what happens on Myrtle's end. Um, And Wilson is just overwhelmed. He's distraught. Um, And he really is, he really believes that the um, billboard of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg's eyes are the eyes of God, and 
when he wakes up the next morning, he's overwhelmed, and he believes that um, the eyes want him to seek justice, seek revenge for Myrtle. So insane. Yes, so he decides he has to kill her lover because he doesn't know who her lover is yet, so he starts asking around, figuring out who killed Myrtle, right? Who this lover was. And (laughs) he tracks down Tom and knows that he knows who the car owner is, everything, and, and Tom talks to him about everything he knows, and Wilson ends up at Gatsby's house. Sigh of sadness. <laughs> very, very stressful. Yes. I had to read this next chapter, like, a couple yes. times to make sure I got it all. The, like, yes. when I read it the first time, it was pretty shocking and confusing. Yes. Well, yeah, I when I first read the chapter, uh, my first, I first read the chapter this read, I had forgotten that this happened so early. I figured it had happened later in the book, but, um... I was reading, and I was like, wait, did that just happen? And then I had to, like, flip back and read again. And then I was like, wait. And I had to, like, flip back and read again. I was like, hold on. (laughs) And then I had to, like, research, and I was like, okay, I'm not going crazy. Um, If you haven't read the book, what we are talking about is Gatsby on a air mattress slash pool floaty, which pool floaties weren't really a thing, um, but it was basically an air mattress, floating on the pool, enjoying his last day of summer when... George Wilson storms into the house with a gun Mm. and shoots Gatsby in the pool. And then shoots himself. A murder-suicide. Wow. So tragic. Well, I hope he's happy now. (sighs) Avenging his wife in that way. Yes. I mean, not his wife. George is not the husband, right? Wait. Oh, Tom? Wait, who's... George just killed himself, right? Yes. Right, okay. Yes. I was confused for a second. Yeah, he kills himself, he has nothing to live for, but he thinks that God wants him to seek justice before he leaves this world. So, um, Nick comes back and helps get Gatsby out of the pool, and he, um, pictures Gatsby's final thoughts of being him disillusioned by, like, all the emptiness and, like, everything without Daisy and he's lost his dream and everything and how he died not having obtained that, Mm. which was just, It was really tragic. And I think the thing that came to my mind when I was reading that is the Shakespeare quote, like, with these violent passions come violent ends. Mm. And that's something that just kind of rang out in my thoughts. Yes, definitely. Um... So I think this is a good place to kind of point out the the sign itself, which um, has had some kind of confusing symbolism throughout the book. And um, I also had to, to look into this a little bit. And um, I'm just going to read this paragraph because it's a very confusing piece of symbolism in the book. So I'm going to read this from Sparks Notes. If you'd like to look up more about this, I highly suggest looking at their website because they have a bunch of information on this. But they said... Um, Though they suggest the divine scrutiny both to the reader and to Wilson, the eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg are disturbing in part because they are not the eyes of God. They have no precise, fixed meaning. George Wilson takes Dr. T.J. Eckelberg's eyes for the all-seeing eyes of God and derives his misguided belief that Myrtle's killer must have been her lover from that inference. 
George's assertion that the eyes represent a moral standard and the upholding of which means that he must avenge Myrtle's death becomes a gross parallel to Nick's desire to find a moral center in his life. The eyes of Dr. T.J. Echoberg can mean anything a character or reader wants them to, but they look down on a world devoid of meaning, value, and beauty, a world in which dreams are exposed as illusions and cruel, unfeeling men such as Tom receive the love of women longed for by dreamers such as Gatsby and Wilson. Mm. So I just wanted to clear the air on the, the eyes that watch the Valley of the Ashes I know we had previously talked in the last episode about them perhaps being a watcher or the eyes of God, but Mm -hmm. it really, to any character, can be anything that sort of makes them feel some sense of morality or some sense of of overseeing shit, but it really just means what it means to you as the reader or as a character perceives it. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. So, last chapter... Last chapter. So, Gatsby is dead, and nobody can get a hold of Daisy or Tom, Mm. and they've been tried many times. Apparently, they left town. That's nice. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so they're gone. Um, He even calls uh, the business associate. What's his name there? Um, Um, Wolfsheen. Yeah, well, he's Sean, not coming. Yeah. He's not coming to the funeral. Nobody's. He called another business partner that literally just hung up the phone, disconnected the line. Nobody is coming to uh, Gatsby's funeral, and mm. it's pretty crazy because in contrast to his parties, he had so many people come to his parties all over mm. the place, but mm. not a single one of those people can take some time out of their day to come to his funeral. You mm. know what I mean? It just shows the, the superficial relationship he had with the public or the people. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really sad but um so for the first time we actually get um introduced to Gatsby's dad his father shows up because Mm. he saw the um the article in the paper uh he's just described as this sad looking old man that Mm. you know walking through his son's house you know you could see the grief on his face but you could also see this pride like how proud he was of his son um and what he had accomplished because he goes on to tell uh, Nick that he's always been motivated. He's mm-hmm. always been hardworking and determined. And he even shows him like that little um, that oh, little paper book. that yeah that he mm-hmm. that Gatsby had written in on September twelfth, nineteen oh six. Just everything that he was resolved to do and the things that he would do to better himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just kind of showed who Gatsby was as a person. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything you'd wanted to add about the father? Um, I'd just like to say his name is, is Henry Gatz, um, and, and Gatsby's, uh, name was, was, uh, James Gatz, um, Mm. and his father had, uh, moved to Minnesota, and that's where he had had traveled from, so he came a a long way out to, to come to his son's funeral, um, and, yeah, that's kind of all we really get on him. Um, the funeral itself, the only people who show up are Nick, mm-hmm. Mr. Gatz, and some servants, and then Owl Eyes, if anybody remembers him. <laughs> yes. The, the man with the big glasses who is shocked that Gatsby's books are real. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, the randomest people show up for funerals. 
No, it, it is bizarre the people that you can run into or see mm-hmm. or you had no idea like had a relationship with the person or cared but it's interesting to see that somebody showed up that wasn't just family mm-hmm. yeah. um so they have the funeral um and then i'm trying to see if there's anything else to add about the funeral um uh, dick had tried to really was really trying to to throw a big funeral he had this this one guy i don't remember his name but he like was friends with Gatsby and and Nick had met him before and he's like oh I can't make it that day but I left some tennis shoes there if you see him can you mail them to me like nonchalant very nonchalant about Gatsby's death and there's also just reporters always there and um just Mm -hmm. just very obscene uh not respectful at all and uh, of somebody who had died uh, recently been murdered um Mm -hmm. so very very garish like West Egg should be yeah, Nick just was trying to do right by him, you know, respect him, and he was a friend, you know, even though they didn't know each other for so, so long, I think that it was clear, clear that Nick was trying to make sure his funeral was done right, and he was definitely mm-hmm. frustrated that nobody was coming out for him. Yeah, definitely. So, they have the funeral, and then we kind of get some wrap-up stuff on Nick's life. Mm, yes, with um, Jordan... Yes. Yeah, do you want to talk about Nick and Jordan? Yeah, um, I think another chapter uh, previously we forgot to mention the little phone conversation that they had and that it was just so bland and that somebody hung up. They didn't even know who, which one of it was of them that hung up the phone, but that it was kind of like the ending of their relationship. Mm. Um, And then they had this conversation. I don't know how long, did it say how long later it was? Was it two years? I think it's before that, um, because the the book is being written from two years later. Right. So I think it was kind of all in that sort of fall era. I think maybe October when he comes when he's right before he leaves. That that Jordan and he they kind of have this conversation, and that they don't have any bad blood between each other, mm-hmm. but that you know she tells him that he really did affect her, and that that was very like an unnatural feeling for her. Um, and that it's just, I love how he said, uh, she says that I thought you were rather an honest, straightforward person. And I thought that that was your secret pride and that he answered and said, I'm 30, I'm five years too old to lie to myself and call it honor. Mm. It's just kind of funny. Just the way that, you know, that they can just talk so candidly to each other. And then the fact that he's like, you know. She didn't answer. Angry and half in love with her and tremendously sorry I turned away. Mm-hmm. And that was just the end of the chapter of of Jordan and Nick. Mm. Yes. And then they finally break off their mm. their relationship and Jordan tells Nick that she's engaged to some mm-hmm. other random guy and um and Nick decides to move out of out of the east, back home to the Midwest. Wow. He's Hopefully he's to work. And, yeah. <laughs> he he's sick and tired of just the the empty values and depravity that he's seen on the East Coast and um it's it's he he lived the glamorous life and yeah. found that it was empty and that he longed for the the stability and the moral backbone of the Midwest. Right. Um but before he leaves he is back in New York City, and he runs into Tom, mm. which 
is uncomfy. Uncomfy. Uh, he doesn't want to shake Tom's hand, and Tom gets upset. Uh, he eventually accepts because Nick is a pushover, as we know. He is. And Tom blatantly tells him that he was the one who ratted out Gatsby to Wilson, and he's proud of it. Um, yeah. And then he tells uh, Nick that he's suffered so much, and he had to give up the apartment that he kept in the city, and um, says that Gatsby deserved to die, which is mm, harsh. Very harsh. <laughs> Considering he was the man who basically gave, like, handed Gatsby over. He was the Judas in this scenario. Exactly. And and through this, Nick has sort of figured out that Daisy and Tom are are very careless, and they don't really care about the people they claim to, and that they just destroy things that they come that come in their path and their money will protect them from everything yeah they don't have to no. face the consequences because they've got money old money i was gonna say they're very east egg they're yes egg <laughs> um do you want to say anything on on that before uh we move on to some some symbolism no just that yeah that was kind of i i just love the fact that Nick is finally realizing the true um, characters of all these people he had mm-hmm. spent his whole summer with and and how, I think in a way, his opinions of them reversed. Mm. And that at the end, he ended up really respecting Gatsby. And like he even said, you know, you're better than the whole lot of them. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was really big coming from Nick. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, kind of going off of this last interaction with Tom, Nick starts to think that uh, America is is not just a country, it's also um, a geographical entity uh, that has distinct, like, areas that have very different Mm. value sets. Um, And... He sees uh, the Midwest that even though it has a strong moral backbone, it is dreary, um, but the East has a very just bright surface, mm-hmm. but below that it's all a show. Um, and I also thought it was very interesting with how people keep going East to sort of find their dreams, whereas in throughout history people have moved West to find yeah. their dreams. No, that is pretty funny, actually. I didn't pick up on that. Oh, I forgot a thing about Gatsby's funeral. That oh, I did you? That was very funny. Yes. Add, add well, not in. funny, but interesting. Um, Gatsby's dad, Mr. Gats, had pointed out mm-hmm. when Naked asked, do you want to have the funeral in your, in your hometown? And his dad said, oh, no. He always preferred the east to the west. And <laughs> I thought that was so just funny to me because of how much he just searched and strived to be part of the East Egg culture. Yeah. And just always was stuck in the West. Yeah. So, anyway. No, that's true. Um, so anyway, Nick, Nick decides he's going to move back to Minnesota finally, and um, as he has his last night in, in West Egg before he moves, he decides to wander over to Gatsby's mansion, where everything's kind of in disarray, and there's obscene words scrawled on mm-hmm. the steps that he kind of brushes away. And, wow, yeah. Uh, just 
this whole last page just mm. it's really a work of art though and just the way that he described the house too is i think it's pretty uh, just symbolic of just the disaster that has taken place all from Gatsby trying to this idea of reliving the past and he tried so hard and he just you know he's always been a go-getter and he's always you know set out to achieve his dreams and his you know resolves or whatever mm-hmm. but that it literally killed him yes and that his house is literally a ghost Mm, yeah it's an echo of the yeah. dream he had the American dream and the dream yeah. of his love yeah, definitely. And then we get our final line of the book. Yes. So we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past, is the very last line of the book. So good. So I good. love it. Yes. It's probably one of my favorite last lines. It's it's pretty great. I mean, Gone with the Wind is, is, is up there, but this is a really good one. Wait, which one was, um, which one ended Gone with the Wind? Um, Gone with the Wind is, let me grab my, my book here that's always behind me. I have it always with me. Is, um, <laughs> I, I'll think of it all tomorrow at Terra. I can stand it then. Tomorrow I'll think of some way to get him back. After all, tomorrow is another day. I just got chills. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So those are both some of my favorite last lines of books. But yes. Um, so basically, the the last line, which I had to read a couple of times, it is beautiful, but it is a little bit uh, word heavy, mm-hmm. um, is uh, he he sees they're like, sh- they're all struggling to kind of create this future for themselves. And um, yep. they're all in these, basically, there are these boats just kind of moving against the current and pushing against it but it all kind of pulls them back mm-hmm. and i just uh do you have any last thoughts on the final quote of the book no i just thought it was really uh it just it tied everything all together and it um it just it read us out of the book i mean i didn't feel like i was left wanting more of like resolution or more conclusion or satisfaction i felt like everything was tied up and i didn't wonder mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. definitely so it was very satisfactory yes definitely i would like to read this quote from um sparks notes of um tom and daisy like other members of the upper class have betrayed america's democratic ideals by perpetuating a rigid class structure that excludes newcomers from its upper reaches, much like the feudal aristocracy that America had left behind. Gatsby alone, among Nick's acquaintances, has the audacity and nobility of spirit to dream of creating a radically different future for himself, but his dream ends in failure for several reasons. His methods are criminal, Mm -hmm. he can never gain acceptance into American aristocracy, which he would have to do to win Daisy. And his new identity is largely an act. It's not at all clear what Gatsby's failure says about the dreams and the aspirations of America's generally, but Fitzgerald's novel certainly questions the idea of an America in which all things are possible if one simply tries hard enough. Mm. Which I feel like we were all told 
uh, as Americans that, well, you can succeed if you if you do all these certain things and you mm-hmm. really push ahead. And um, yeah. people were struggling with that even, you know, 100 years ago. Right. So, just very... No, that is interesting. Timely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. So, in your opinion, do you think that this book was plot-based or character-driven? Mm. Yeah, so I, I think it was definitely um, more character-driven because of how much the characters were described and pushed on us and how many characters there were and how central the main characters and main protagonists were. And the plot sort of just seemed to unfold around the characters mm. rather than the characters giving into the plot, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree you? with you. Good. For okay. Sure. 100%. <laughs> no, no, definitely character-driven because it was a very kind of uh, an emotional arc. Mm. And, I mean, a, a lot did go down, but it was central, like you said, around the characters. So mm. 100% agree with you. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um. Yeah, definitely. So, how does Fitzgerald foreshadow the tragedies at the end, Evelyn? I feel like, I feel like Gatsby's whole life is kind of it's it's one big tragedy, mm. and I think that the biggest thing for me that stood out was um, the light mm. and the way that he would reach out to this light, and that it was always 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 out of reach and it was never attainable to him even as close as he got to the light it was never something tangible for him like Mm. he could never recreate the past it was always doomed and I mean we see time and time again where Gatsby was just you know not not quite there like he was separated from we talked about him being separated from Daisy when they were young because of his class and he didn't have any money and Mm. then during the war and then she got married and then they're you know um a body of of water apart where he's now you know doing his own thing and she's married and she has a child and you know it's just this idea this whimsical idea in his head of the past that he'd want to recreate with her but it just it can't happen and it literally kills him trying Mm. so Definitely. Yeah, I think it is always, and unfortunately, I, I think it, it was always his destiny to mm-hmm. to fail in such a dramatic way mm-hmm. of he, he played the part and he played the part almost uh, to a fault of pretending and pretending and eventually just not being able to pretend anymore and and ending his story in the most horrific and tragic of ways that possibly could be imagined and his last couple days were just miserable for him mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the foreshadowing had to do with everything you said and also um, all of his people throughout his life who were in his mind great and wealthy were all dead and they kept he kept pointing out that they were dead and mm-hmm. they had you know achieved their goals but they were dead and he did achieve his goal briefly Mm-hmm. before he died yeah. but then he lost it so <laughs> very sad yes <laughs> definitely so guys this is episode three the great gatsby part two we have finished the book i am so excited to tell you what our book for march is going to be and that is the handmaiden's tale 
by Margaret Atwood, which is another book that I have read that Evelyn has not read. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but I haven't read it in also a long time. I read it back uh, freshman year of college. So um, it's Women's History Month, so I thought it would be really great to highlight a, a female author this month as something a little bit more modern, mm. but also very relevant with... Um, the popularity of the TV show happening and just everything happening in society right. right now. So we are so excited to read that and share our thoughts with you guys. And if you have any suggestions about books for April or May or anything down the line, please send them to us. We would love to hear your book suggestions because we want to read what you guys want to read. Mm. So saying that, I'd like to close this out. Um, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Turn of the Volumes. You can find us on Twitter at Turn of the Volumes at T-U-T-V underscore podcast. <laughs> you can find us at Facebook.com slash Turn of the Volumes. And you can email us at Turn of the Volumes at gmail.com. And we just ask you guys that you can just share this with your friends, listen to it on your commute in the morning, um, tell people about the podcast, share the social media accounts to them. We really mm -hmm. want to get the, our following up, and we'd love to interact with you guys as much as possible. And with that, I'm going to close this out. All right. So we beat on, boats against the current, born back ceaselessly into the past. <laughs>